0: All right. Good morning, guys. Thanks for joining us this morning. My name is Steve. I am the lead pastor here at Trailhead, and uh, welcome to, what is this week, 10,000 of our social distance gathering. Um, thanks for joining us online. Thanks for joining us at a distance. Um, yeah, we've been looking at the post-resurrection appearances of Jesus. We, we decided after Easter uh, to extend our study um, of the He Has Risen, He Has Risen series, looking at the resurrection appearances of Jesus. And, and um, next week, we did that all the way through Pentecost. The next week is Pentecost. Pentecost is a word that means 50. It is 50 days after Passover. It was, a, it was an Old Testament um, Jewish celebration. And we're going to be looking at it next week. Uh, it is really the birth of, of the, the New Testament church. And um, it's a week of celebration. It's a week of celebration and I, I thought, man, after Easter when we had to shut things down and we just needed something to look forward to, a new celebration because uh, that was difficult. So join us next week. Tune back in uh, for, for our, our conclusion of this He is Risen, He is Risen series and, uh, and for, join us in the celebration of what God is doing even in the midst of, of this stuff. Today we're going to be looking at uh, the last um, resurrection appearance of Jesus. Uh, it, it, it is not only his appearance, but it is his ascension. Um, for a little bit of, of uh, spice, we're going to be throwing in uh, the Great Commission. Um, the Great Commission and Acts 1. Matthew 28 and Acts 1 really have the same message. Jesus appeared in Matthew 28 and gave them the, the Great Commission be disciples who make disciples. And then in Acts 1, he, he gives them those marching orders once again right before he ascends uh, into the heavens. Um, here's the thing. The, the mission that Jesus gave His early church gave them direction in disorienting times. It gave them comfort in, in their suffering. It gave them security in an insecure world. And if the mission of the gospel did that for them in the first century, it can do that for us now in our disorienting times in 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 our challenging season. Um, here's the thing, and, and I'm going to kind of give you the, the, the big idea right up front. Um, we really like to know the plot of the story. We really like to know the plot of the story. We like to know um, where we're at in that plot, right? That, that's often how we find our sense of security okay, this happened for this reason, and this is where this is going. It also gives us a sense of purpose, like, okay, I can still lead this story to a place that has a good ending, right? I, I can still get this thing to a place where, where um, I get what I want or, or I get what I need. And, and here's the thing, y'all, it's just not the way it works. It's just not the way it works. It's God's story, not ours. And the reality is we cannot find our security, we can't find our purpose, we can't find our strength, From knowing where we are in the plot of the story. Because the story keeps changing, right? There are so many plot twists that we don't see coming, that we cannot control. We can't find our security, our purpose, and our strength in those things. We need to follow the God who's telling the story. That's how we find our security and our our purpose and our strength. All right, so in our passage, Acts chapter 1 in verse 6, it opens up with the disciples asking Jesus a question, right? In verse 6, so when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? All right, Jesus was raised from the dead, right? Uh, He told them to meet him in this place for a very specific thing, and this is the first thing that comes to their mind. Is now the time you're going to restore the kingdom to Israel, right? Jesus was raised from the dead, he was crucified. They never saw that coming. So they had a plan for Israel to be restored, right? Remember way back on Palm Sunday, we talked about that, how, how on Palm Sunday, um, that was their hope, the triumphal entry, right? That, that here he comes, he's going to restore the kingdom to Israel. Then he got crucified, and they're like, holy cow, our story just got totally derailed. And then he was raised from the dead, and they're like, hey, I guess our story's back on track, right? They're continually trying to make sense of what Jesus is doing in their preconceived ideas of what he should do they 're continually trying to take his story and recast it in their story. They want to know where they 're at in the plot, where they 're going, um, and and you know that was an interesting plot twist. The Messiah got crucified and rose again. Well all right, that was interesting now let 's get down to the real next step, which is restoring the kingdom. To, to Israel, right? Can we just get back to the real storyline, the political and cultural supremacy of Israel? And what's interesting is the way Jesus responds in verse 7. He said to them, it's not for you to know the times or the seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority. It's not for you to know. It's not your story. It's not your story. You It's not for you to know the plot Right? You don't need to know where you are in the story because the plot belongs to God, not to you. Right? L- listen, y'all, this is what we do. When things get chaotic, when things get crazy, when things start feeling uh, out of control and, 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 and we're feeling that insecurity, we start trying to create a plot line that makes sense of it that helps us feel in control of it, that, that, that helps us understand why those things happened and what should be happening next, right? Because if we can figure out how it all fits together, then we're secure in the story. If we can figure out how it all fits together, then we can determine what our next step in it is, right? Because in the end, what we're trying to do is bend the story back to the story we want to tell. We want to bend it back to the plot line that we've already determined, our lives should take. And we think that we're going to find our strength. We're going to find our comfort. We're going to find our purpose by figuring out what God is doing and why. But that's not the way it works. The disciples had no idea what was ahead of them. No idea. Before many of them would die, Jerusalem was in fact going to be destroyed. Right. This is sometime in the early 30s AD 33, probably right around in that window, in um, 40 years, in AD 70, Israel as they knew it was going to cease to exist. Israel was going to be uh, sacked. The temple was going to be destroyed. Um, There would be an end to the sacrificial system. Um, Everything they thought of when they thought of the nation of Israel was going to cease to exist in, in less than 40 years. Jesus didn't explain all that right? Jesus didn't try to say, okay, your plot line's wrong, right? You're, you're not understanding what comes next. Let me, let me just fill you in. Let me give you all the details. Let me answer all your questions, right? He didn't do that. He just said, look, I'm going to tell you what you need to know, and that is what you're supposed to do today. I'm not going to fill you in on on. All the twists and turns this story is going to take, I'm simply going to tell you what you need to know to play your part well, to to be faithful in this season. Y'all, this can be incredibly frustrating because we want things to make sense to us. Right? We want things to fit together. We want it to be a story we understand. We want it to be the story, If if we're honest, we want it to be the story we're telling where at the end of the story we get what we want and we're we get our security and our strength and our purpose in the ways that we want but here's the thing god shows up and he doesn't play by our rules god god doesn't tell the story we've already read predetermined he's supposed to tell and that can be so exhausting can't it it can be so exhausting right we're in a, i mean who saw the pandemic coming you know what i'm saying like like who saw that like what kind of plot twist right who did that right the loss of economic stability and 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 and, and uh, the loss of income and 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 future uncertainty and 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 in the middle of all that there's still all the normal sorrow and pain and loss of normal life magnified because our worlds have become so small and often in the middle of this we start telling ourselves if i if i just understood what was happening I would find renewed strength. If I could just make sense of of these events, I would find my security. If I just knew where it was all going, I would once again find the motivation of my my purpose. But you know what? Jesus didn't give them what they wanted because what they wanted wasn't what they needed. Jesus didn't explain to them. And you know what, y'all? He's not gonna explain it to us. He is not going to explain the plot lines. What we're looking for, listen, y'all, it doesn't come from knowing where we are in the plot of the story. What we're looking for comes from relying on the one who's telling the story. Did you catch that? Um, your security, your purpose, your joy, your strength, it doesn't come from, from being in control of the story. It comes from relying on the one who is in control, the one who's actually telling the story. In times like this, we need to shift our focus from the chaos back to the God who is over the chaos. There are three critical shifts that I think we need to make that are in this passage that the, the first century disciples needed to make and, and we need to make. If we're going to find our power and, and our peace and our purpose, if we're going to find our strength and, and our, our comfort, our, our sense of, of um, security and, and our purpose in the midst of all of this. So first of all, um, if we're going to renew our strength, if we're going to renew our strength, we need to shift our focus from the kingdom that is waning to the king who is reigning. Do you like that? It rhymes. It's going to help you remember it, okay? A little bit of preaching craft here. if you're going to renew your strength, if you're going to renew your strength, here's the thing, y'all. We need to shift our focus from the kingdom that is waning to the king that is reigning. There are a few things that can cause anxiety in our lives, like feeling powerless in, in our given situation, right? When we feel like we don't have options, when we feel like we can't do anything about it, man, that creates anxiety. And, and, and here's the thing. Um, uh, it, we need to find our strength, not from our circumstances, but from outside of our circumstances, right? And, and here's the thing. I'm going to make this point, but, but at the beginning, I want to create a caveat um, because I want to make it clear. There are things that at times we can and should change. We have personal power and at times we should exercise that power um, for very specific reasons, right? To improve our lives or to improve the lives of, that we care, for those that we care about or to protect uh, ourselves or for others, right? So I want to make it clear that, that we're not passive in this thing, right? If you're in a job that's killing you, you can look for another job right? Now, don't quit your job. Be responsible. Glorify God with your work in your job currently, um, but yeah, go ahead and exercise your power. And start looking for another job. If, if you're struggling with depression, you can and you should take steps of self-care, right? You should exercise your power to get outside, to try to get a little sunlight, to get more regular exercise in your life, to, to find community, socially distanced community, right? But to be around people and to have conversations, and if necessary, to reach out. And, and in a season like this, um, for many, it really is going to be helpful to get some professional counseling, to get some, some, some therapy where somebody's coming in and helping you unpack that tangled stuff that you're finding creating, that creates so much tension in your chest, right? And, and, and we have a partnership with Pathways Counseling here at Trailhead, and that still exists. We have socially distanced counseling. You, you can actually participate, um, and we have a great deal. So all you need to do is, is email us at info, info at trailheadonline.org, uh, and Dan, our, our shepherding elder, will get in touch with you, right? You should, get a whole, uh, uh, you should take steps towards self-care. And one critical area that I want to make very clear. Uh, if you're in a situation where you are suffering abuse, emotional, physical abuse at the hands of somebody in your home, in times like this, um, man, sometimes those, those, those difficult situations in your home um, get magnified because you don't you, you don't have the normal ability to distance yourself from the anger or the violence of, of somebody. And if you find yourself in a situation like this, you can and you should take steps of self protection. You can exercise your power to protect yourself and to protect those that you love. And if you contact us and let us know um, that that you would like assistance with that, we would love. To, to step in and help you take steps of self-protection in this area. Again, just email us at info at and, and, and just give us a clue and, and we'll come alongside you in this. So caveat right up front. I'm going to be talking about how we need to find strength in times that we're powerless. There are times when we feel powerless and there are steps we can take for self-care and self-protection and we should take them. But there are other times, there are other times when what's happening around us simply can't be changed. There are other times when, when truly, like, I can't make the pandemic go away, right? If I've lost my job, I can't make my income be restored. If, 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 if I am um, uh, in, a, in a difficult situation like this, the question is, how do you renew your strength when you feel powerless? How do you renew your strength when you feel powerless? In Matthew 28, 18, that passage we read, Jesus said, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. All authority. That word "exousia," the Greek word for authority, means the power of authority. He has—he is has the power to command. All authority has been given to him on heaven and earth, which is a whole other sermon. Um, but right now, we'll just take that as as a clear statement, right? In Acts one eight, uh, in Acts chapter one, it says this: "But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. You shall receive power, dunamis." The Greek word dunamis means the power to do things, the power to accomplish things, the power to to move forward. It's the power of strength. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Because He has the power of authority, He will give us the power of strength to accomplish what He has asked us to accomplish so that we can do what He's asked us to do. Um, Here's the thing. We tend to look to all kinds of things to give us strength. Besides the strength he's giving us in the spirit, right? We, we tend to look to our circumstances. We tend to look to our energy levels. We tend to look to um, uh, all kinds of things uh, to renew our strength, right? And, and, and right now, that, that's creating a tremendous amount of conflict, even in our broader culture right? These wars about, about politicians and who's going to be in office and the election coming up and, and, and the wars about the economy and how fast things should open. And, 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 but we're, that, that's the thing, we're looking to the right politician. If I have the right politician, then I'll have the right strength. If I have enough money in my account, in my wallet, then I'll have enough strength. If, if, I, if I have all my ducks in a row, then my strength will be renewed. Then I'll have the power, the strength to tell the story I want to tell. Y'all, our strength doesn't come from our ability to control the story. It comes from the God who is over the story. Listen, AD 70, when Jerusalem was destroyed, that would have crushed the early church if they were anchoring, if they continued to anchor their hopes for strength in political strength, in cultural dominance. If if that continued to be what drove them, AD 70 would have completely destroyed them. Instead, that season of suffering became a catalyst for the greatest growth spurt in church history. Tens of thousands of people becoming believers in Jesus. And, and, And the more the pressure came and the more suffering pushed them out, the more the church exploded into the broader world. See, the world's perspective is that they lost their power. But the reality is they were filled with power. They were filled with strength because they were filled with the Holy Spirit. They weren't looking to their external circumstances to give them strength. They were filled with the strength of the love of God in the Holy Spirit. Y'all, we need to shift our focus from the kingdom that is waning to the king that is reigning. We, we need to shift our focus from the kingdom of this world which offers illusionary power to the king who's over the world, who will fill us with strength to do what he's asked us to do. See, we discover our power when we stop fighting for power and rely on the one who has all authority. And we discover our security when we stop focusing on our limitations and instead reset our expectations. Right? So for security, we need to shift our focus from our limitations to our expectations. Right? Listen, when we focus on our limitations, we focus on everything we don't have and can't do. Right? We, when we refocus our expectations, we start looking for everything God is doing and can do. The disciples in the early church, chafed under Roman rule, right? It was a burdensome rule. They were, they were burdensome taxes that affected them economically. It affected them personally and culturally and socially. Um, it was unpredictable. It was oppressive, right? They could be conscripted at any time uh, to carry a Roman soldier's stuff a mile or to, to give them a the cloak. They, they, they were under economic, religious, and cultural limitations every single day. Now, soon, it's going to get worse for them. Because the early church is going to explode, which we think is incredibly exciting, and it is. But you know what that meant? Tens of thousands of people in Jerusalem suddenly needed housing, suddenly needed food. The the, the locals were going to have to open their homes. They were going to have to face further limitations. They were going to have to sell their things. They were going to have to, to, to feed people and support people and house people. Can you imagine if they focused on their limitations? everything they no longer could have, everything they could no longer do. If they did that, how oppressively annoying all of life would become. Y'all, we are in a time of frustrating limitations. The world has shrunk and Groundhog keeps resetting. It doesn't help that we're in the fourth most restrictive state in the country when it comes to easing the restrictions of the social distancing. And our next-door neighbor, Missouri, is the fourth lenient, most lenient state, right? So everybody over there is going out to restaurants, and over here there's nobody on the street, right? We can, we can become obsessed when focusing on our limitations, what we don't have, what we can't do, right? We can focus on all the ways... We're not able to tell the story we want to tell. That's what's happening, right? We can become annoyed and angry and and, and filled with with angst at all the ways we're not able to tell the story for our lives we want to tell. We need to shift our focus from, from our limitations to our expectations. We need to reset our expectations that this is not our story to tell. It's God's and that He is trustworthy and powerful even when there are plot twists we didn't see and we don't like. We need to reset our expectations to actually expect God to show up in in new ways, in surprising ways, in this story, because this is still His story. Y'all, your father is going to take care of your story and every other story because He's telling His story. We need to focus instead on what has been entrusted to us in our stage of the story, right? The message of Christ's victory in 1.8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Now, he doesn't tell them how you're going to get there through persecution. He says that's what's going to happen. He gives them a little glimpse of the plot line, doesn't tell them how it's all going to be played out. You will be my witnesses. That's what you need to know. You will be my witnesses. I am entrusting to you the message of the gospel. I am entrusting to you the victorious message that I went to the cross as your substitute, died under the weight of your guilt, defeated your death, paid your price, and rose again in new life on your behalf. I am entrusting to you the good news of my victory. Go be my messenger. Expect me to show up on the journey. You know, we need to expect God's power to work through us as we're sharing the good news, as we're living the good news and sharing the good news with others. We need to expect opportunities, unexpected opportunities to arise around us on a daily basis to not only rediscover this good news, but to share that good news. We need to expect that when everything is falling apart around us, That simply creates new opportunities for God to do what he's already doing, which is to redeem and restore us in the midst of the chaos and invite others into that story of redemption and restoration. Y'all, if we focus on all the doors that are closed for us, we're going to miss all the doors that God is opening for the message. We need to stop focusing on our limitations and reset our expectations. So we need to shift our focus to discover our strength, right? To focus on the king who is reigning, right? We need to shift our focus to discover our security. We need to reset our expectations that that God is, in fact, going to show up even now in the midst of this chaos and continue to empower his message in us and through us. And we need to shift our focus to rediscover the energy that drives us, the purpose that gives gives us the motivation for this life. We need to stop focusing on survival, and we need to start praying for revival. I love the way this passage ends in, in, in verses 9 through 11, right? And when they, had, when they had said these, and when he had said these things, Jesus, and they were looking on, he was lifted up into a cloud and taken out of their sight. That, that had to be ridiculously crazy, right? Verse 10, and while they were gazing into heaven as he went, right, they're standing there staring up, open mouthed, right? What just happened? Behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, hey, y'all. Um, men of Galilee, what, why are you standing there looking into heaven? What? Hello, right? This Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way you saw him go, right? He's going to come back. He's going to come back the same way he went. But he gave you marching orders. He gave you a purpose. Why, <laughs> why are you standing here open mouth staring, right? He's going to come back. Get busy. Get busy doing what He's asked you to do. Get busy moving the way He's asked you to move, right? He left you here with a purpose. Get to it. Look, some of us have been standing around staring at our circumstances, open-mouthed, for long enough. Yeah, 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 yeah. The pandemic hit us suddenly, um, and everything got shut down, and and it's left us shocked and off balance, and, and things are weird and different, and they are going to be for quite a while. But it's time for us to stop standing around with our mouths open. We need to shift out of survival mode. And we need to start praying that God will start a revival, right? This isn't a time about survival. As always, we've been entrusted a message, and that message is the seed of revival. This is actually how I began 2020. The end of 2019 was, was pretty rough, um, There there was a lot going on in 2019, a lot of difficulty, a lot of leadership challenges, and honestly, a lot of it was very, very personal. It just, it hurt. Um, And and mixed up in all that was a lot of spiritual attack. And and I just started praying at the end of 2019, the beginning of 2020, that that, that God would use this for his glory and and that he would reawaken me to to the profound beauty of his grace and and that he would reawaken all of us to, to, the, to the incredible beauty of his love that we would be humbled and empowered, right? Like, like, like we had nothing to prove, nothing to protect because Jesus loves us and yet bold because we're loved and, and by Jesus, right? You know what I'm saying? Like, like that humble confidence that comes from, from having our hearts undone of pride and strengthened in grace. I started praying for revival. Here's the thing, when we think of revival, I don't know what you think of, revival tent meetings or revival, we often think of, of big things out there. We think of re- revival as, as a bunch of people who don't know Jesus suddenly believing in, in Jesus. And that may happen with revival. But what you need to realize is that's the fruit of revival, not the essence of revival. The essence of revival always begins when God's people rediscover grace. Revival always begins with God's people rediscovering humility, being broken of their strength, being broken of their self-confidence, being broken of, of, of their addiction to tell their story and think that they can guide God along the right plot line, right? And then and, and finding joy in the fact that God is actually the one in control. God is actually the one telling His story, that He is a good God, ultimately telling a good story. And yes, there is suffering in it, just like there was for Jesus, but at the end of the day, there is resurrection. It is a story that God entered into, broke into our death, died our death, broke out the other side in resurrection, so that He could enter into all of our suffering and retell it as a story of redemption and restoration. That he could take every sorrow and turn it into a tale of joy. He can every take every guilt and pay its price, every shame and remove its cloud. He can, he can set us free and recreate us to be what we were created to be. Revival begins when we are undone in grace. Revival begins when we are, when we when we recognize the broken cisterns that are, that are pulling away all of our attention and sapping all of our energy, all the things that we turn to that aren't God, and we're asking those things to be God for us, right? That's why revival begins with repentance, right? But I want to be clear about this. Repentance isn't, isn't my commitment to fix myself for God. Repentance is an act of the will, where I look at my sin and I say, that sin robs God of His glory and robs me of the experience of life. But but the essence of repentance isn't my willpower to fix myself for God. Repentance is when I choose to focus on the love of God instead of the seductive power of sin. Repentance is when I say, Lord, will you reawaken my appetite for the true and living water that will refresh my soul and reawaken my hope, and give me strength. Revival begins when God's people reawaken to the beauty of their Savior. And when we get reawakened to the beauty of our Savior, we shine We're no longer fighting for earthly power. We're no longer sniping one another because we want more platform. We're no longer trying to impress one another because somehow that makes us more important or more impressive. We're not trying to get a better podcast. We're not trying to quote better experts. We're not, no! We are are content because we are secure, we are significant, we are empowered, and we are loved by the only one that matters. And when we are there, we are counter-culturally attractive because we are free. And when people start seeing that kind of hope, when we start sharing that kind of love, when we reach out to our neighbors selflessly, in love because we are loved, when we start serving because we've been served, when we start start posting things on social media, not to get a reaction, not to get the likes, but purely because it's an expression of joy and we're seeking to build others up in that joy, to invite them into that love, we have so many opportunities around us. So many opportunities around us. Are there limitations? Absolutely. But there are so many opportunities around us every single day to renew our experience of God's grace and to share God's grace with others. We need to stop focusing on just survival and start praying for revival. The revival of our hearts and through our renewed experience of grace. That there might be a rich harvest of those that are far from God, being attracted to God. Those that, that man, they knew what church was, but said they didn't know what grace was. Right? They knew what religion was, but, but they didn't know what life-giving connection to the true vine was. We need to pray for revival, that we might shine and others might be attracted to Christ as we simply shine with his glory, not ours. It is time for us, y'all. It is time. It is time for us to be the witness God has created us to be and called us to be. It is time for us to carry this message forward. It is time for us because he is risen. He is risen indeed. Let me close with some word of prayer, and then we'll continue through uh, sharing communion and, um, and by song. Let me pray for us. Father, I thank you. Man, I thank you that you don't try to explain to us the plot of the story, because even if you did, we'd just try to hijack it from you and tell the story we wanted to tell. I thank you, Lord, that that you prove yourself trustworthy, and then you simply say, trust me. And I thank you that you are trustworthy. I thank you that you are a God who entered into our suffering voluntarily, that you might deliver us from it, that you entered into our death, that we might be blessed with your life. We thank you that you are a humble God. We thank you that you are a glorious God, and we thank you that you are a powerful God, and that we can rest in who you are and what you're doing. Awaken us, Lord, to the opportunities that are around us right now, today, to love others to renew our experience of of your love within ourselves and then in that love to bless others, to share that love with others. And then Spirit, will you work through the message of the gospel to awaken us to the beauty of grace and to invite others that we might see genuine revival. Let's continue to worship.